ahead, please go ahead. Do do the the intro. Wait, I was supposed to film that. Oh, what? What are you talking about? I'm turning that paper. <laughs> Wait, I was supposed to return that in. Wait, return it in. Okay, we're failing. Wait, I was supposed to turn it in. <laughs> this is a failure. This this. The intro has been an abject failure, and we're going to move forward. That's the intro. Hey, Shadi. <laughs> hey, Brianna. <laughs> How are you? Oh, man, I'm just out here living, you know, sick of these men, but I'm good. <laughs> Do you want to know why I'm sick of these men? I'm scared to ask. Okay, so first of all, we're going to get into what's going on right now. I don't know if you heard of this man named Derek Jackson, okay? He is a scammer. He's a liar. He's a thief. A thief of people's affections. <laughs> this man has spent the last few years on social media trying to be a relationship guru, telling people, ladies, this is the signs that you look out for. This is how you know that the man you're dating isn't interested in you. This man was talking about himself. This man was talking about his own personal activities. He just didn't say so. And I'm disgusted. I'm disgusted. I can't. What do you think? Have you seen it? So, first of all, let me just say you just came in hot, right? Like you you are pissed because you just gave us no moments to address anything else. You was like, this is first on the docket today. Like, we're gonna address this. I just had to point out how enthusiastically you came into this conversation about this man. <laughs> um, to answer your question. I have, I've followed every last bit of this drama. I am ashamed to say, but where do I find the time is the question. Where do I find the time to follow all of this drama? But yet I do, and I know, and I've watched every video and I've watched every reaction video and I've watched his reaction video to his own video. I did too, girl. It was wild. It was wild. I was like, who, who are you? It was wild. I feel like, you know, I don't have words is really the problem. And, and I think it's just because it's so bizarre. The whole thing is so bizarre and just, it just continues to take turns, you know, just when you think it's done, something more bizarre happens. But I think that we're finally at the end of this thing. I think that this this scandal is about to go into oblivion where it deserves to be. Um, I think that he's trifling. And I think that that was that was never a question. I think a lot of people I, I think somebody said something and it's important. And I think we do have to be careful who we give credit to. That's one thing that's just incredibly interesting about social media is everyone's an expert in something. And Mm -hmm. I just just don't understand how having a Twitter or Instagram account suddenly makes you qualified in anything, but that's our, that's our world. That's our society now. Um, I do think that, you know, he makes a good case for the men are trash argument. And I mean, yeah. He would know. He of course would. he would know. He would know. Like you said, he's an he's expert. Talking about himself. <laughs> yeah, he's an expert. He's an expert in that. I just think, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Were you no, say I was, you go ahead, you go first. I was just going to say, I feel like it just reminds me of those Kevin Samuel videos. It just reminds me of every terrible advice I was ever given by a man. Mm. Because men are always saying, why see y'all y'all women's problem? Y'all listen to other women. Y'all should ask men for advice. We'll tell you what it is. No, you won't. You'll just say some crazy stuff. 
or you're going to be dishonest about it and not say how you're really feeling. Or you're going to say, tell me something that you wish someone would do for you and not even think about, but is that even helpful? Is that even going to get the results that they're looking for? No, no, it won't. So I'm not even going to give too many, too many of my, my breaths to this Kevin Samuels guy, because from what I heard, he doesn't, he doesn't deserve it. But in regards to the Derek Jackson situation, I will say one thing that I found really disheartening, though, is like the just the the reaction to the wife. And I, I honestly like I really started off like in this posture feeling incredibly bad for her because he's a public figure. But up until now, she wasn't a public figure. Like she didn't choose to have a public facing life. You know what I mean? And now all of a sudden people are like attacking her, her bonnet slash beret, you know what I mean? And they're attacking her looks. Honestly, it's just all incredibly, like I just, I'm embarrassed and it didn't happen to me. You know what I mean? But I do think that now she's just putting, uh, you know, adding oil to flames by continuing to just, you know, put herself out there and make videos and sit next to him in his videos. Like, I honestly, like if something like this happened to me, like I would want nothing more than to just not talk to people, like not be in a public conversation about this. I wouldn't want people on my, like, okay, I remember like the first day this happened, she had like maybe a few thousand Instagram followers. Now she has like almost 70, like last time I checked, it was 65,000 Instagram followers. Like that is the opposite of what I would want. Like my, all of my accounts would be private. You would not be able to find me anywhere. Like this is his shame and his shame alone to deal with. But... She she chose to sit next to him in that video. She chose to make those subsequent videos. So then at that point, I can't even get mad at people of, you know, commenting or, you know, giving their reactions to things that she said or she's done or she's worn. But I just really would not want to be you. And and that's it's a confliction. It's a conflict. Right. Because here I am making this podcast, which is public and, you know, has my name attached to it. But honestly, one thing that scares me is being like a public figure. Like, I don't want to be a public. I don't want nobody to know who I am. I don't want nobody to know my business. I don't want people talking about me. It's hard though, because when you think about building a personal brand for yourself, like you have to, there's a a element of publicness, you know what I mean? Publicity. But I honestly, I do still kind of feel bad for her. And I feel like that's kind of like my worst nightmare is like having like a big public situation, like a big public embarrassment and having everybody like give their thoughts about my life. Like, (laughs) this is my life. Honestly, I think she, I think to a certain extent, I think she's happy that she's finally getting acknowledged because if you go through her Instagram, she's been posting this man the whole time. Mm -hmm. She wedding photo she posts every time they went on a trip somewhere she posts you know like every time she went showed up to one of his speaking engagements and she always posts a photo of her outside of, in front of his um sign where he has like a big old sign out in front of the engagement and it's like a picture of him and she's like that's my husband you know I think she's happy to finally get acknowledged that's why earlier I said she don't really love herself because if she did she would recognize that, that acknowledgement is pretty much worthless now it don't mean nothing now, because if he really cared about you, you would have been front and center the whole time. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't have to be someone's secret, not even for a brand. That's why, you know, I'm just going to throw this in here. That's why I do think it was better that Nicki Minaj and Safari broke up because Nicki Minaj was not proud of that man. She be talking, she be bringing everybody else in the photo. She never, nobody knew who Safari was <laughs> until they broke up. <laughs> I remember I saw somewhere someone was like, oh, Nicki Minaj freaks up with man of 10 years. 10 years? Right, and nobody knows who you are? Mm. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, it, it worked out better for both of them, really, because at least now Safari can like have his own identity separate from her, and now she can be in relationships that she's actually proud of, you know? But, you know, I'm going to be honest, like if I had a spouse who was a public figure, 
I would not, I would be like, no, nah, keep me off. You don't, don't, don't post me. I'm good. Like, I don't want to know, like, do you? As far as like, you know, having a public persona, I don't want, like, I just, maybe that's, it's just, I have an aversion to like being so incredibly front and center. And like I said, that really is a big conflict for me that I, I need to work out. And I'm only realizing it talking to you is because I do want things in life that will put me on a stage in a way, but I don't, I also don't want the attention that comes with being on that stage. <laughs> like, I just, you know, I'm, I'm content living my life with people not knowing who I am. <laughs> I feel you, girl. I feel you. And yeah, it's a conflict though, but I think, I don't know, like I said, I, I just, I feel bad because like, I don't know, that's embarrassing. Like, he just embarrassed you so very publicly. And then doubled down on the public embarrassment, embarrassed you a little bit more, like, continues to embarrass you, trying to publish this book, give you the body's raggedy book. I, sir. I know, that plug for the book at the end of his own reaction video to his apology video, you could find out more how this young couple overcome their overcame their trial and tribulations. I was like, what? I'm finding out now by watching your videos. I don't want to read the book. Right. First of all, <laughs> I just feel like, and it's, and it's funny because we're going to talk about money, but I feel like from a financial aspect of it too, because I see a lot of people like in the comments saying, oh, well, you know, the reason she's going along with this is because this is her coin too. You know what I mean? If his little social media empire falls, like that affects her. You know what I mean? That affects their children, his ability to provide for their children, which I think is interesting. I mean, I don't know anything about what she does for a living, if she has her own money, if she she works or, you know, and I shouldn't say her own money because the reality is when you're married, like his money is her money, is our money. Like that's what it is. So, but aside from his social media profits or, you know, book sales or I don't know if she has other income. So, I mean, I, I that's a different, a whole different aspect of it too. You know what I mean? Because if, all these ladies stop buying his books and giving him clicks or whatever like that's food out of her kid's mouth except I'm sure they have some sort of savings I'm sure they're not just living we don't know we don't know what they have well I mean I know they live in that mansion I don't know but I'm just saying like if for someone that has this is my problem because if you have such strong faith like you say you have why don't you have faith that you could survive without the money. Money shouldn't be a reason for you to stay in a relationship that clearly is not something God sent to you. And you know, she reminds me of a uh, page from Married at First Sight, trying to use, I know you don't watch that show, <laughs> trying to use God as a reason to stay in a dysfunctional relationship. Here's the thing. I feel like women have been using religion to stay in terrible relationships since the dawn of time. Like, this is nothing new. It They, they were doing it yesterday, they're doing it today, and they're going to be doing it tomorrow, unfortunately. I think that we have to, and I don't even want to get into, like, a whole conversation about religion, but I think that we have to really examine our personal relationships with God um, for those who believe and and think about if God loves us, is this, is this a vision of love? Like, you know what I mean? Is does our vision of God's love look like that? Yeah, and, and that's for every person to decide individually. And I think that that's not what God's love looked like for me. Let me be clear. <laughs> because no. Have you seen where people found out that whenever he was making his videos, it was in front of his side chick's houses? <laughs> <laughs> like you, the houses you see in the background, those aren't even, that's not even his house. <laughs> This man was on his way back and forth from cheating, making relationship videos. You can't tell me he's not a serial killer because there's no way a sane person does this. I do believe that he could be, you know, a serial killer. I feel like that's in the realm of possibility because I feel like there has to be like a lot of like dissociation going on. <laughs> like, I think I'm a psychologist, but I feel like he's like, there's something going on there personality disorder wise for you to like sit there with a straight face and tell these women. <laughs> Ooh, oh 
okay. I really wish, like, one day we got to start uploading the videos to YouTube because the faces I make sometimes, like, sometimes I'm quiet, but it's because my face is, like, stuck and shocked. <laughs> And I can't say anything. <laughs> well, anyway, sorry to that man. Sorry to his wife, I guess. Mm, sorry to them kids. Sorry to them kids. Yeah. Sorry. Every time they go to school, hey, ain't your daddy the cheater? Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, your nails are so cute, by the way. Thank you. I stole them from Megan the Stallion. I saw that she posted them one day and I was like, these the one. Pretty. Thank you. So what else is new? What else is new? Um, you know, I was in like in a car accident. So that really sucked. So like I have to go to like doctor's appointments and stuff. But I'm trying not to let it, like, get me down. And I'm trying to see more of, like, the bright side of things. Um, Because, you know what, even with that, I don't think it's going to slow me down, um, professionally speaking. And, you know, I just feel like if that's just another thing I have to overcome, then that's okay. You know, because I have confidence. I have full confidence that I can. I like the positivity. I'm glad that you have a positive perspective. So let me just get right into the topic today because I feel like this kind of touches on it anyway. We're going to talk about money today. I feel like... What'd you say? Money, 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 money. Hey, hey, hey. (laughs) But I love his money. (laughs) So I feel like my biggest adult lessons have come around money because you need it. Like it, it, it... affects every single part of your life, right? There's no part of my life I feel like that my personal finance don't touch. But also one of the things that I've learned is that like, I really like personal finance. Like it's something that I'm really interested in, like as a, you know, a hobby or, I don't know if your personal finances can be a hobby, maybe they can. But like, I'm really interested in stuff like that. So I was curious, like what your relationship to money was like and how you navigated like that space between being a child and not having to think about money except like, oh, I want this or let me get a part-time job and buy it or, you know what I mean? To, oh no, I'm a full-fledged adult. Like I'm going to pay these bills. Like I have a 401k. (laughs) What? You know what I mean? And like, what point did, like, did you have that moment of like, oh, oh shit. (laughs) Um, when, okay. So it was actually when I graduated from undergrad. Um, because beforehand I was just kind of like, ah, it's whatever. Um, even though I had jobs where I was like stressed out about managing money and stuff, I didn't really have to, I didn't really have like big, big responsibilities, you know, cause I always had like financial aid and my parents assistance, like when it came to like paying bills and stuff. So when I graduated, because I changed my graduate program and I'm so serious, I mean, you talked about it when it happened too. I called you because I was so stressed. And, I, and when my dad told me this, he was like, well, if you're not going to pharmacy school anymore and you're just going to pick a program, you don't even have a plan. I'm not supporting you. And I said, what? So I was really mad about it because like, you know, I didn't have to worry about it because I was like, well, my parents always told me that they would support me through school. So when that happened, I was like, well, I guess I got to get a job. I guess I got to figure it out. So um, when I applied to my grad program and I got in, I was happy because since I was no longer being claimed by my parents, I could get a lot more financial aid. So it gave me a little bit more time to figure things out. So even when I my first year of grad school, um, you know, I still got a job, but I didn't really it didn't have to be like a full time thing. And it wasn't that deep for me because I still had financial assistance to kind of help me pay for stuff, help me pay for my rent, help me pay for my other bills. I got a um, I got a Goodyear card to cut. So I, that way, if I need to make repairs on my car, I could pay the price up front with the card and then make small payments later, um, which really came in clutch because at the time the car that I had was always breaking down. I think my, I think my mom got me that car for about $2,000 cash car. And I spent maybe a little bit more than $2,000 getting it repaired mm-hmm. after. So that, so that good year car came in clutch. <laughs> But, you know, even then, like that first year, I wasn't all that stressed, but I was also still staying in student apartments. So, it, you know, my bills were all, you know, were all inclusive. It was just what was that? What was I paying? Like maybe like seven hundred dollars 
for, you know, my room, came with internet, came with lights, you know, and then any extra money I had left over went to like food and stuff. So that wasn't so bad. I think what really gave me that big oh moment was when I decided that I wanted to move out of student apartments and get my own apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, and I made that decision because I had gotten a uh, full-time job at the end of my first year of grad school. And I was like, okay, I make real money now. I don't have to stay in student apartments and I don't want to stay in student apartments anymore. I want to have like my own space. Um, and at first I was going to room with a roommate. So that way I could just switch it to just like a two, two and kind of be away from other students. But I didn't really like her standards. I kept telling her we need to have like a set budget because I'm not trying to pay a whole lot of money for stuff. And she wanted all these different things. Every apartment we looked at, it was never good enough for her. She was like, oh, I need more closet space. I was like, I will literally buy you a whole nother dresser. Please do not make us move into a more expensive apartment because you want closet space. And then when she did find apartments, she liked, you know, she was seeing these apartments and they very clearly had a master bedroom in a kid's room. And I was like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> so, <laughs> right? so then, honestly, I just said, you know, whatever. So I ended up getting my own apartment. Um, and I <sighs> paid so much money for that apartment, though. Um, I probably could have got someone better, but we had already put down deposit money before I had realized that it wasn't going to work. Mm. And I was like, OK, well, I can't afford to like put down deposit money anywhere else. So. I switched to the one one. I paid eleven hundred a month. Um, that doesn't even include utilities. So that was like what another two hundred dollars sometimes for utilities. I don't know why my utilities were always so high because I was the only one living there. It's not like I was home all day with all the lights on. Um, but yeah, I would pay. So I was paying about thirteen hundred a month with my little full time job, which at the time my full time job only made sixteen an hour. Which I'm saying only, and I know like to some people they're like, oh, that's good money. It is good money if you know how to manage it. It's not good it's money. Not ready to live on your own. Not yeah, we're living on your own a month. But yeah, the conventional thinking is that housing is only supposed to be around thirty percent of your your income. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was it was uh, about half, a little more than half. So when I was paying bills, it was like whatever money I had left that went to food. That went to whatever activities I wanted to do. but didn't really have much of a savings because I was like, I don't even have much to save. Right. Mm. So, you know, I was just living life. <laughs> and then, um, you know, but I was I was at least happy that, like, I was supporting myself because, you know, I remember, again, like, back to that conversation you had when I first got told by my dad, like, oh, I'm not going to help support you. Um, I was so stressed. And you told me, you was like, you're going to figure it out. It's not as hard as you think it is. And then, yeah, (laughs) yes, you do. I don't know why you lied to me, but (laughs) I was like, you know, but I definitely remember at one point in that apartment thinking, okay, you know, Brianna was right. Even though it was kind of difficult at first trying to figure it out, like I got it figured out, you know? Um, and then I moved into this apartment I have now so I can cut down my costs. Cause I was like, man, I'm sick of paying 1300 a month though. So I moved into the apartment I have now with my friend and um, I got lucky because after I moved in um, towards, I wanted like a few months down the line, I got a job that paid me like 22 an hour. And that was just like, whew, that was a big old jump for me. I was like, wow, so I make money, money. <laughs> I can like do things now. And I was so happy for that. Cause I was like, thank God, thank God I can actually like go out, get stuff done, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, but the, you know, and that, that lasted for like a hot minute and then COVID hit and then, you know, I got laid off, but this time I was a little bit more prepared because I actually had savings. So I had my savings. I had my tax returns around the same time that I got laid off and I had, um, you know, the st- the first stimulus check that went through. And that's honestly what carried me through until I got my next job. Mm-hmm. Um, so that lasted me for a couple, for like, like a few months. Yeah. Well, I feel like, you know, you definitely had your, your aha moment or oh shit moment, I think is what I was calling it, a lot later than I had mine. <laughs> yeah. we, we talked about this because I remember when you like were, were going through all of this, you were like, yeah, my dad said that they're not going to help me anymore. 
I was like, girl, you've been getting help this whole time? What? Yeah, that was a new concept for me. I was like, what? It, it really was funny, though, because when I did get to college, I realized that, like, a lot of my friends, a lot of my peers, were their lifestyles were being financed by their parents. Like, girl, I grew up poor. I didn't know. That wasn't a thing. I was like, oh, I didn't know. Okay. <laughs> but I was like, interesting. But yeah, my my situation was so different. <clears throat> when I left for college at 17, that was really it. Like, I was, I was on my own. Um, I think, fortunately, with school, I had financial aid, so that covered a lot of things. You know, the, it wasn't really stressful. And I had, like, part-time jobs at the library and, you know, working as a tour guide and this and that. But um, after that first year, I moved off campus into um, student housing as well, off-campus student housing. And I think I was paying, like, 450 a month to, like, share a space, share an apartment with two other girls and I was like, okay, yeah, these got real bills now. Like, I have a, a lease. They expect me to pay these bills. So, but, but no, I think, I think it honestly for me to have been so young and been on my own, I think it was a pretty soft landing. You know what I mean? I don't think I ever really had this moment of like, oh my God, like I'm completely failing, which I, I'm really grateful for. Uh, but I do think that. When I graduated from college and I like started, I had like my first full time job and I was actually making money. It definitely was like so much to learn. And even before then, there was a lot to learn because I feel like we didn't really have we had a lot of money conversations in my house. I'll say that. But they were always very negative And it was always from like a point of scarcity. You know what I mean? Like, we can't do this. We don't have the money. We can't do that. We don't have the money. Like, I can't pay for this. I can't eat that. Like, that was always a conversation. Like, we're the, we going to be late on the bills this month. I got to borrow from here to pay there. Like, so that was my only really like perception of money. And I will say the one thing that my mom was like really, really vocal about like my entire childhood, she was like, you have to take care of your credit like you don't mess up your credit once you mess it up like she was really like once you mess up your credit that is it you ruined your life you know what I mean so like she was that was like her one lesson like you don't mess up your credit so I've always been really really anal really really like about my credit you know what I mean making sure that I got paid my bills so I didn't have any issues with my credit but aside from knowing that a credit score was a thing I needed to keep it good or I was going to ruin my life. Like, I didn't know anything else about money. You know what I mean? And I think that that's one thing I, if and when I have children, like, it's going to be so different. Like, they're going to, like, I feel like we set our kids up for failure so badly when we don't have conversations with them about money. Like, I didn't know how health insurance, like, I didn't know what a deductible was. I didn't know what a premium was. I didn't know what a, four, a 401k was. Like, I didn't, like, I, I didn't know. I knew what a credit score was. I had no clue how it worked. No clue what went into it. Like, I, just nothing, you know? And I think that it's, it's really been a lot of education. But I feel like, why? You know what I mean? Like, they should be teaching us this in school. Like, I taxes i just knew that they were taking the taxes out my check i didn't know like i didn't really have i was gonna say i've always signed up to have the most taxes take it out because i never want to be in a situation where they'd be like hey you owe us money listen but you know as i as i go deeper into my own personal finance education i realized that for me that that may no longer be the best decision to make for myself. You know what I mean? But who's having these conversations with us? No one. <laughs> no one's having these conversations. And I've had to learn so much. And I like at this point, I'm just going to take time to plug some of the people that like I learned from. Tiffany, the budgetista girl listen if she if she ever listens to this podcast i am such a fan there um her podcast with mandy um uh brown ambition so good like everyone that should be on every black girl's podcast playlist because it's so good they talk about money in such approachable ways they talk about money in a way that like everybody can understand you know what i mean and um let me think who else um 
there's another podcast, How to Money. That's another really good podcast. Um, and there, there are so many financial gurus too. Like people love Dave Ramsey. I, I could never get into him. It just, I'm not even going to go into why it just, it wasn't for me, but a lot of people find a lot of value in what he has to say for a lot of people, the things that he says say are life-changing, but understanding credit, understanding how to save, understanding how to invest your money, you know what I mean? Has, is so important, you know? So what do you feel like you got an adequate financial education growing up or no? I think it was very confusing because um, my parents, they would tell me stuff about finances and stuff like that. But then, you know, my dad, he would always be a little bit misleading. He'd be like, we don't have money to do stuff. But he only ever really said that when it's stuff that he didn't want us to do. <laughs> so a lot of time. So <laughs> like when I started playing golf, like he supports it now. But at first he was like, that's a waste of money. <laughs> and I was like, what? He's like, that's expensive. But then my mom, she made stuff happen. So I was like, I mean, money can just happen. Like, that's really what I, I that was kind of like the mindset I think I had. Like, if you, you know, if you're blessed enough and you, and you make it work and you finesse your way, money will come up. <laughs> <laughs> money will come, it's going to come up somewhere. <laughs> That's, and then it must have been traumatizing when you realized that it did not work like that. Yeah, I remember she told me she was like, "What? I just had a savings somewhere," and I was like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, I think, I think personally, like that's been my biggest, um, not my biggest lesson, but I think my most important lesson is because okay, so like I think when I think about like my relationship to money, right? Growing up, not having a lot of it. When you get a little bit of it, you get real, 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 real protective of that money because, <laughs> you you know, you have a little bit of like a trauma, like, oh, like I remember not having none. So I'm not trying to go back there again. You know what I mean? Well, cause my, my personality, I'm naturally a spender. But because I have a little bit of money trauma, I think from growing up without it, I'm really, really like cognizant of my spending and my saving and making sure that I'm saving really high amounts to make me feel comfortable. Also, I just bought a house. So now I'm on like times 12 because I'm like, you know, I got a mortgage to pay now that's serious. You know what I mean? Home these little home emergencies that happen. I've had so many home emergencies in my like four months as a homeowner already that I'm like saving is such an important thing for me now. Really kind of anal about it. But it's hard because like my personality, I'm naturally a spender. I like spending money all the time. Same. And I think, and then it's funny too, when you have like a partner or a spouse and then you have to like consider their money habits into the mix now too. Woo, girl, uh uh-uh. You know, Mikey's naturally a saver. He is a super saver. He does not spend money on anything. When I say anything, I mean anything. If on the other hand, I'm like, oh, we can we can Uber Eats five times a week. Like, I don't really see the problem. <laughs> Girl. I think that's kind of like how my mom is because uh, she didn't have like a lot of money growing up. And she was like, well, as long as all the bills pay, what's the problem? Yeah. You know? But now my attitude is as long as all of the bills are paid and I've saved what I committed to myself to save, what's the problem? (laughs) So I'm working on that. You know what I mean? And what I do too is my savings is automated. So I get paid. I have a separate savings account and an ally bank account and that money goes straight there. I never see it. You know what I mean? So I don't have an opportunity to spend it because the check already is going to take care of that for me. Like when the paycheck hits, the money that I'm allowed to spend goes to my my main bank and then the money that's supposed to go to savings go to savings. So I don't have to then do the work. The work is done for me. And then that money that went to the chase though, that was all fair game once the bills are paid. So whatever's left, you know, if I'm going to go order 1,700 things off of Amazon, that's my business. As Tabitha Brown say, that's my business. Okay. I have like a totally separate bank account at a different bank that my tax returns go to. And that's my savings. <laughs> 
<laughs> so that way, if I ever want to take it out, it has to be like a whole struggle for me to like transfer it from one bank to the next. So that kind of makes me more aware of like when I'm touching that account. No, that's and that's exactly the sort of concept with Ally as well, because it's, it's not easy to reach money. You know what I mean? I really have to go through a lot, which makes me also really like think, do I do you need to be taking this money out? You know what I mean? And so I think it's important to to pick up this stuff very quickly, because I think that you make life a lot harder when you don't have these basic financial, personal finance principles locked down. You don't have a a good understanding of these principles. Um, And it's hard though, because I don't understand why we aren't talking about money more. Like that continues to baffle me. I don't know why schools aren't teaching personal finance. And you know, I actually took personal finance in high school and it didn't cover none of this. Like, I'm sitting here like, what did we learn? Because not, I, I still did not feel any more prepared. Who wrote the curriculum? Please tell me. But I'm most of the MX plus B. Well, I need to learn about these taxes. Listen, girl, and now that I am in a different tax situation and I have a more complicated tax situation because I have jobs and side hustles and an LLC, the, the education that is having to take place about tax rates and deductions and itemizations. I'm like, this was the useful stuff. (laughs) Y'all just skipped right over this. I don't know. I think, and that's another reason why I really love the budget Nisa because she's done a lot legislatively to really push to have this sort of things implemented into school curriculums, to have more money conversations implemented into school curriculums. And she's actually from my hometown. She she uh, lives in North New Jersey, which is where I was born. And so I'm really I'm really grateful that they have her there. You know what I mean? Trying to have these implement these conversations legislatively, require them into the school systems. Um, but yeah, I feel like money. Um, I feel like everything I've learned about money, I've learned from just having to research. And I just knew that like I didn't have it growing up. I was gonna have some, and now that I have a little bit, we will keep it. You know what I mean? And we're gonna try to make it work for us. That's another thing when I think about money is I think about my career and where I want it to go. And I realized very, very, very early on in my career that I do not intend to work to 65 and just do this whole thing and then retire. That does not speak to me. That does not speak to my spirit. It's not something I can do. Um, so that's also made me look at money in a very different way because I've had to have a conversation of if I can't keep doing this working thing full time, you know, for 40 more years, how do I make my money work for me so that I don't have to? You know what I mean? Yeah. Have you thought about retirement? Is that something that like is on your mind? Honestly, once my business takes off, because again, I'm just going with the mindset. God gonna make a way. Once my business take off, you know, the same way he's been making a way this whole time. Right. The money's gonna appear. Don't worry. <laughs> Once my business take off, it's gonna it's gonna do its own thing. I'm not even worried about retirement age. And if and honestly, I don't mind having to work 65 if I'm working for myself to be honest. Well, and that's the thing is that I want to be work optional. So like, I don't think I can ever just sit at home or like play golf or something all day. But like, I want to be able to do the work that I'm passionate about. And that's something I realized very early on is that like, I wanted to do work that was helping people. I wanted to, I honestly wanted to work in the nonprofit profit sector. And I really wanted to do like work that was like really making a difference in people's lives. And I realized very quickly that I could not afford to do that. I was like, "Mm, I need to work in the for-profit sector where they are paying money is what I need to do. And honestly, the fact that I had to make a decision like that really hurt me. And so I thought about, you know, one day I want to be able to make a decision career-wise and just with how I spend my time that isn't directly tied to income, that isn't directly tied to money. It's tied to passion. It's tied to, you know, fulfillment and, you know, spiritual fulfillment. And I'm just able to do the work that I want to be doing, like whatever that looks like, whether it's paid, unpaid, whether I'm working at a nonprofit, whether like I'm building something for myself. And, you know, we're both business owners and we both have really new businesses. And that's another thing, you know, I pray that my business prospers and grows really successful. Um, But for me, my business is another means to an end. Like, I don't want to run my business until I'm 65. Like, my hope 
and I'm like affirming this and putting out into the universe is that once my business reaches a certain point, I'll be able to sell it and just make a profit. You know what I mean? But working into like, I don't see myself being old and great working. I remember when I was in high school, I worked at Constantino Sunfresh in Kansas City, Missouri. I was a bagger at the supermarket. And when I went in for my first day, you know, you do training for like the first week. There was a man who had to be no younger than 80 years old. And I really feel like he probably was 80 plus. This man was so old. And I just remember thinking like, why is he here? Like, why is he not on a beach somewhere? Like me and him were, we, he was literally training to be a bagger. And I'm like, if he's there because he just was so bored at home and had nothing else to do, great. But the thought that he might possibly have been there with me because he ran out of money was like the saddest thing to me. You know what I mean? No, I know what you mean. Like he was so old. I was like, you should be on a beach somewhere. A golf course, a moped, packing, chilling, <laughs> like something. You should not be in some fresh bagging groceries with me. Like I was like sixteen. Like we should not be here together, but we were. And I think that really stuck with me too. So, I, like, listen, I don't even want to be half his age working. I, I truthfully want to be work optional at that point, doing really only the work that I want to be doing, the work that is is serving me, you know, and fulfilling me. And I think that that requires me to be really, really diligent about how I spend, save and invest my money now. And I think there's a lot. Another really good blog that I want to plug is Paychecks and Balances. Like if, oh, if they ever listen to this and they want to come on, I would love to have them on. Um, it's another really excellent blog that just breaks personal finance down in a really, really easy way. And um, there, uh, it's two black guys that run the podcast. I think I haven't listened in a while though. I think one of them actually left. I don't know if there's another co-host now, but just seeing like black and brown people, cause money is different for us too. You know what I mean? That's a, another element of it is we don't have the same access always to money, to resources, to education than our white counterparts. You know what I mean? We don't have generational wealth. We There are gaps in how we're paid. There are gaps in access to opportunity, work, you know, professionally. And all of that plays a role in our money. You know what I mean? I don't even know how much black women make on the dollar to white men. I think it's like 60 something cents. You know what I mean? So when you talk about money for black Gen Z millennials, like you have to have a different conversation. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because we're not having the same conversation. Like nobody is when my parents pass on, which I hope is a very long time from now. They likely aren't leaving me anything but their debt. (laughs) And I hate to say it like that, but that's the truth. And I feel like that's not a really, um, I think gener- generational wealth is something that we are, a conversation we're just now starting to really try to have in our community. And I think that that also approaches the way that I I manage my money because it is just me, you know what I mean? I'm the one that has to start the process so that hopefully my grandchildren's children don't have to work as hard, do as much, you know what I mean, to yeah. live a good life. At the same time, don't be treating them sideways because you mad that they got it easier than you. Because I was really sick of my parents doing that to me, being like, you don't know real struggle. Good. I don't want to know real struggle. <laughs> Listen, it's too late. It's too late. It's too late. Because I already do that to my little sister. Me and her, my, my younger sister is 10 years younger than me. And we had very, very different upbringings. My mom had me. She was a teenager. She was a teenage mom. So my first 10, you know, 10 years of life versus her first 10, 10 years of life were very different because when my mom had my sister, she was an adult. She was much more established. You know what I mean? So 
it was a very different scenario. So I remember growing up poor. Like I remember not having or going in the fridge and being like, ooh, it look empty in there. Like, you know what I mean? Or how we go pay rent this month. I remember those experiences. She doesn't have that experience. You know what I mean? She doesn't know what it's like to be like, ooh, where are we going to live? <laughs> like, what are we going to eat? She doesn't have that experience. And I'm grateful for that. I really am grateful that she has a different experience. But it makes her, it makes her sort of an ass let me just say because like she don't appreciate <laughs> sometimes the things that she has so uh, I identify with your parents Tunisia because growing up not having to struggle makes you a bit of an asshole like you don't you, you think that money just like you said you just think the money appears you don't really think about how it got there let me first say I don't think Maya's an asshole. And this is why I'm going to say that. This is, this is why I'm going to defend your sister real quick. She would be an asshole if she was just like, I hate everything you got me. Like, if she was just criticizing, like, this ain't nice enough. Like, that would be if you're an asshole. I think that when you grow up with money, you're more likely to share it to a certain extent because it means nothing to you because it's just material things. So if somebody else needs a material thing and you've already had it, you know, you're just like, oh, well, you can have this. And that's another thing, girl, is, and that's why I love us having this conversation because we have two very different, we had two very different financial realities growing up. Like you grew up like upper middle class, like your family had money. So I think that it's really interesting to have like the different person. But what's funny enough is you grew up upper middle class. Your family had money. Like you had a really nice financial life. I grew up kind of poor. Like we didn't have a lot. You know, I always had food to eat, fortunately. But, you know, I knew that we did not have money. I grew up with a single mom. But we still both had to have this come to Jesus moment. Like, why don't I know anything about money? (laughs) And that's that's what's crazy to me. It's like, why are we not having these conversations? (laughs) Like, I know, to be honest, I know why my mom didn't, like, have a conversation with me about money. It's because, like, she, like I said, she was a teenager. She didn't really know. She was just like, I'm just trying to pay these bills. I don't really know about personal finance. I can't teach you anything about investing. I can't. I don't have a 401k. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? But what's your parents' excuse? Why they didn't talk to you? They talked to me, but I don't know. Again, it was kind of confusing because like they talked to me more about benefits with jobs. Right. And about picking Mm -hmm. certain career fields that made money. That's Mm -hmm. what they talked about and how to set yourself up, self up when you had extra money. They didn't teach me what you're supposed to do when you don't have extra money. Because they never thought that I would be in that situation. (laughs) They just assumed well, we paid all this money for education. You're just going to get like my parents really came up here thinking that I was just going to off rip, make at least 50, 60,000. And I was like, who told you that? Right. Because um, <laughs> I don't what did they think you were doing? <laughs> I my <laughs> and you're in a low wage job. state. Let's examine that as well. Is that Florida is a. The wages in Florida are notoriously low. But see, they were just like, well, you know what? We told you what career feels to pick. So you can do it. Oops. <laughs> Sorry for you. Like, <laughs> Yeah, like you knew better. You knew to, you should have did STEM. I'm not a STEM person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's not, like I tried, but like, that's not me. <laughs> it is not me. You know, I think, though, if there's like one takeaway, though, that I want from like for our listeners, it's that like if you are trying to figure out this whole personal finance thing, which we all are, like I just had to do a rollover for my 403B to my 401k. And I was like, Lord Jesus, do I need to call someone to assist me? Because I'm confused. Like, just like know that we're all learning together. And I think as long as you keep trying to learn, like you're going to get there. So many, like I said, I can't tell you how many hours I spent listening to podcasts about money, about investing, about saving, about house buying. You know what I mean? House hacking. How can I save a dollar? Like, oh, my gosh. And I just downloaded the Mint app. Girl, let me tell you. Like if they want to call, they want to sponsor us. I don't know. Are y'all taking sponsorships? Because I'm a believer. <laughs> I downloaded this thing last week because I feel like I have a really good handle on my money. 
But I feel like I, I knew that I had been overspending a lot because I eat out a lot. And I knew that I had been overspending in that area. And I really wanted to see what the numbers were. And I didn't want to have to go through every account, every credit card and like calculate it myself. Girl, I downloaded this app. And when the numbers popped up, it was like a slap in the face. I was like, hmm, I'm spending how much? I'm spending someone's... <laughs> someone's car note and utility bills or eating out Ooh, okay same, same. <laughs> same yeah same and also i really really like this app and i feel like i haven't even scratched the surface on everything that it can do so i'm really excited about it but i feel like there are tools out there another thing i love about the budgetista i know i keep talking about her is she has these challenges she has these free challenges that don't cost anything where she'll teach you how to fix your credit she'll teach you how to buy a house she'll teach you how to invest um and she has like a little academy or whatever that talks all about personal finance is just know that there are resources out there free resources out there for you to learn. But, you know, I think that a lot of people have this approach where like, if I don't think about it, I don't have to deal with it or I'm just, it's just not my thing. Like, listen, your money is your thing. It has to be your thing because nobody's going to look out your money, look out for your money if you don't, you know? Yeah. I mean, God gonna make a way, but yeah, you right. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. God helps those who help themselves. (laughs) That's the lesson here. All I know is I'm still here. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, did you have anything else before we wrapped up? Um, no, other than, uh, you know, one thing that I'm really working on, I'm trying so hard to keep up with, cook at home, 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 prepare your lunch. I'm yelling at me, Trenisha. Huh? I'm just saying it's not just for you. It's for me, too, because I do this all the time. I'm like, why would I cook at home when I can get X, Y, Z? You know what? I feel like eating this. I don't feel like cooking. Cook at home. (laughs) So I'm really trying to, like, make myself do that more. Listen, I feel attacked personally by this conversation. And that's it. And I'm I'm kind of <laughs> honestly when I first downloaded the Mint app, I was kind of like, oh, I think I might delete this because I don't really like <laughs> that is telling me something I'm doing wrong. <laughs> but that's not that's not the right perspective to have. You have to address it head on. You have to look at your money even when it's hard. You have to look at your debt even when it's hard. Look at your bills. oh, I don't even I don't even look at my student loan debt anymore. Girl, I'm just I'll pay it. Yeah, yeah, it's there. Yeah. I don't even know. I don't even know that I feel like that anymore. I feel kind of like it's above me now, like the video. Yeah. Well, I put the little payment on. That's it. That's what you get in this month. Don't you don't you call me no more until next month. <laughs> it's above me. <laughs> I'm kidding, y'all. Don't do that. <laughs> I think I think it's so easy to definitely have that attitude about about your finances. And trust me, some day, some months I do, you know. But, you know, I, I think that we're all figuring it out. And I think that's part of adulting and growing is it's learning, learning at your pace. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You'll get there when you get there. Well, that's all I got. That's all I got, too. This is a fun conversation. I'm going to go spend money today. Um, <laughs> stimulate the economy. Stimulate it. No judgment. Bye. Bye.